1: Wild Willy Fuel has partnered with the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast to offer you, the racer, 20% off when you use the promo code LUKE, L-U-K-E, at checkout. Now, Wild Willie Fuel is the industry-leading manufacturer of professional fuel scent and top loop. They have over 60 unique fuel scents. Wild Willie has just... The products you need to set yourself apart from the competition everybody wants that good smell they got from the industry's number one selling scent ex-girlfriend <laughs> how cool is that to the brand new fragrance fruit loops love me some fruit loops you are sure to find something that fits your personality over 60 unique scents surely you'll find something in there now wild willy fuel fragrances can be used in race gas methanol ethanol diesel or pump gas. You can put it in all different kinds of fuels. They're sensor compatible with carburetors, fuel injectors, O2 sensors, and catalytic converters. So stop by and check them out at www.wildwillyfuel.com and don't forget to use the promo code LUKE, L U K E, to save 20% today. Guys, this holiday season, I'm giving thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Did I tell my extended family that I have the performance package 4.0 from the global leaders in below the waist grooming? Not to mention, it includes their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to tame my jungle and score brownie points with the in-laws. Gift yourself, Manscaped, or the man in your life who needs it. Join the 4 million men, 4 million worldwide, who trust Manscaped. Get 20% off plus free shipping with their promo code jed that's jed by going to manscaped.com now manscaped has been busy real busy and they just launched their refined body wash and two-in-one shampoo plus conditioner now both feature the manscaped signature scent and will help unlock your confidence this year and your boys and your body will be oh so fresh and so clean when you start off your self-care routine. Manscaped has been busy and just launched their refined body wash and two-in-one shampoo plus conditioner. Now, both feature the Manscaped signature scent and will help unlock your confidence this year. Your boys and your body will be oh so fresh and so clean when you start off your self-care routine with the ultimate body wash, shampoo, and conditioner. All you gotta do is go to manscaped.com and put in the promo code Jed, J-E-D, to get 20% off plus free shipping. Guys, it's 20% off plus free shipping. And all you got to do is go to manscaped.com and put in the promo code Jed. Simply put J-E-D in the box. You'll be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from our friends at Manscaped. Your boys will thank you.
0: adult film stars, and sportsmen, drag racing. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Big Jed, Jared Pankton, Padna. How are you,
2: my friend? What's up,
1: Lou? Oh, man, I'm well, really well. A lot of good content in the show this week. Looking forward to talking about that. Uh, We are not burning the midnight oil uh, doing the show this week, so I'm glad about that. So if I sound a little more upbeat, it's probably because I am. Just excited all the way around, Luke, and I can't wait to get into the content here coming up.
0: Well, definitely a little bit more fresher this week, uh, at least on on this end. Like you had an early morning, you may not be as 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 fresh as you uh, as you lead on. Yeah, it's somewhat of an act right now. It really is. <laughs> uh, this episode is all champions, nothing but the champions, nothing champion, all champion, all the time. All right, so we're gonna kick things off. Ashley Thompson is going to join us with a breakdown of the thisisbracketracing.com driver series. We will go through the champions in both top bulb and bottom bulb. Jed and I will follow that up with a brief recap of the NHRA Summit ET World Championships in Las Vegas, where, spoiler alert, Big Jed crushed us in predictions.
1: <laughs> yeah, did.
0: Man. Uh, feeling yeah. it and yeah so TWJ, good at predicting. not as good me I, I got one big jed showed out uh i'll nerd out probably for the last time in 2021 nhra championship chase coming down to the wire there are just two events left on the schedule we will uh hit that in earnest and uh the one i say the one like the uh The last five day at West Palm beach is going to be a big thing in the big dollar bracket community. So the great American guaranteed million is not the last event on the schedule in 2021, but it is certainly the richest. I think it is fair to say that it will garner the most attention. Um, And it's let's face it. Like it is the biggest race of the season Jed and I will both be headed to Montgomery next week. We will both be competing. You will be hearing the golden tones of Jared Pennington on the mic. Um, <laughs> and so we'll do our best towards the end of this episode to preview that upcoming event.
1: Yeah, it's going to be great. Look, looking forward to it. Uh, definitely uh, going to be excited about the, the race in general, but um, going to be excited to be on the mic again. We'll hear more about that soon, but Um, we, uh, we need to get into the show and we need to quit gas backing, but first
0: Ohio redemption. Oh wait, that's later. (laughs) Right now. BJ North. Uh, Joining me now is a familiar guest to the podcast. She heads up the, this is bracket racing.com driver series. In addition to the many hats that she wears Ashley Thompson, Ashley, it's good to see you. How are you?
2: Good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on here.
0: As we like to say here on the podcast, it's over. (laughs) We have crowned our champions in the 2021. This is bracket racing.com driver series. Exciting stuff.
2: Yeah, real exciting. We finished off the season pretty strong.
0: What's not as exciting is I I got a lead here like I goofed and this is this is a big one like this is pretty embarrassing. So we announced here on the podcast a couple of episodes ago that uh, Brian McGinnis is our bottom bulb. National champion. He hails from Bremerton Raceway. Brian McGinnis is our bottom bulb national champion. Congratulations to him. We'll get to him later. I also announced that the top bulb championship was going to be a split pot between Cooper Chun and Kurt Gross. I goofed. So (laughs) like I said, this is this is dumb. This is embarrassing. I I feel like I am on top of this. Obviously, Ashley is super on top of this, but I was going through the points. I said, okay, I don't think mathematically anybody can catch uh, Cooper and Kurt. Like It's over. They're just going to have to split the pot. Well, what I did not realize was in looking at the points, I thought that Ardmore had two races remaining. They ended up, they had a rain out. They had three races remaining. They completed them all in one weekend. And within that weekend, Ashley, a young man by the name of Trip West showed out. Came from not nowhere, but came from well behind and actually amassed a points total that surpassed the total of Cooper Chun and Kurt Gross. And as a result, Trip West is in fact our 2021 national champion on the top bulb. So, again, my apologies to Kurt, my apologies to Cooper. I'm sorry. I goofed up. Like we all make mistakes, but this one, uh, yeah, this one doesn't feel good at all, but at the same time, I don't want to overshadow the accomplishments of trip West. Congratulations to trip Ashley. How impressive was trips season in general? And then specifically that final weekend.
2: Uh, yeah, so he won a, well, he won a seven rounder and he run it up an eight rounder. Um, and then he also, he, uh, made it to fourth round, you know, four other times. So he, uh, definitely showed up a lot of those races. Um, I think they knew who he was (laughs) when he left. So
0: a hundred percent. That's what like, just looking at the points totals, I think that's what stands out because essentially everyone in the top 10, or at least certainly the top five had wins like or multiple final round appearances. Like it wasn't the two finals that set trip west apart trip west, apart from the crowd. It was the fact that in every race where he didn't make a final, he was accumulating points. It was the cumulative effect of going rounds throughout the season that ended up making the difference in the end.
2: Yeah, that definitely helped him. Um, you know, a lot of other racers, they had a couple zeros, so that ended up being their drops, um, same with like a rain out or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, he definitely accumulated points, uh, seven out of eight races. So <laughs> he did a great job there.
0: 100%. And just as a refresher or a perhaps news to you, if you have not followed the, this is bracket Racing.com driver series, what this is and how it works is essentially Ashley has developed a nationwide series. There was 20 plus racetracks involved. I say nationwide, we had, we had tracks in Canada as well. Yes, kind of is. continent-wide series in 2021. Um, and at each track, they held eight events that counted toward this is bracketracing.com driver series points. Uh, again, the, the premise here is that racers could compete for a national championship without having to leave their home track. Of those eight races that each track held, we counted their best six for points. Looking at this, like the dropping races didn't have a monumental impact on the actual finish of points, but it is nice to know as a racer that, Hey, if I have to skip a weekend, I could get away with it. If I, if I have a bad weekend, it's not necessarily going to deter me, but in the end, just about everyone had a bad weekend at some point. So it kind of leveled itself out. Right.
2: Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised. I thought, you know, we'd be dropping more points, but, um, maybe racers took advantage of that and, yeah. you know, they knew, Hey, I can be here this weekend, but you know, it's not the biggest, it's not the end of the world.
0: Trip West, your 2021, this is bracket driver series, top bulb champion. As a result, Ashley, tell him what he won. <laughs>
2: You've got $10,000 and a big check coming your way. <laughs> $10,000
0: uh for this championship. Pretty special stuff that I mean granted purses by and large across the country are escalating, but I think you'd agree Ashley like it's hard to win 10 grand at your local track week in and week out. Like this is pretty awesome stuff.
2: Yeah, and uh, I'm not sure where he resides but hopefully he didn't have to travel that far hopefully you know that was his home track um i think we'll get a little bit more information when we interview him um but yeah i think you know that's great for him
0: i'm uh i'm vaguely familiar with trip and i may be i may be speaking out of turn here i believe that trip is related to um, him and maybe the son of uh garvin lee west who is like a legend of bracket racing in that general area. I believe they hail from the Lawton, Oklahoma area, which is not too far from Ardmore, but it's probably hundred miles away, something along those okay. those lines. And trip has been making a name for himself uh as a as an impressive young racer for several years. Um but yeah this is this is big stuff. I think what's the coolest thing to me Ashley as I look through this um in addition to to TripWest earning this ten thousand dollar top prize um we pay back to we had enough involvement this year originally it was just going to be 10 grand to win winner take all right but we had so much involvement this year that we actually brought in more money than we had agreed to pay out and the the idea behind this was not to profit from it so we extended that payback uh to where second place through fifth place gets five hundred dollars cash and then um sixth through tenth Thanks to our friends at Jegs, are getting a five hundred dollars Jegs gift certificate, uh, which I think most of us would agree as racers that might as well be five hundred dollars cash, right? Like it's <laughs> right. not hard to rack up five hundred bucks at Jegs. I think what's the coolest thing to me looking at this is the variety of racers and the tracks that they come from uh, within our final top ten.
2: Yeah, we've got Bremerton, uh, Sacramento, National Trail in Ohio, Numidia, Virginia. Um, another Ardmore racer, Worldwide Technology uh, Raceway, Mid Michigan Motorplex, and Lost Creek in Montana.
0: Montana, right? That, I didn't know there's a racetrack in Montana. I think I did, <laughs> but yeah. That, that to your point, like only one track had two racers finish in the top ten in the top ball, and that's Ardmore, where uh, our champion trip West hails, as well as uh, Chucky Weir, who finished, I believe, it's seventh. Um, obviously, Trip West is our champion. Kurt Gross and Cooper Chun uh, tie for second place. Uh, Kurt from Bremerton. Cooper from Sacramento, right? Scotty Hessler is fourth from National Trail. Dalton Rolls takes fifth from New Media, to your point. Uh, sixth place Brandon Davis from Virginia. Virginia. Yeah, VMP. And then uh, Chucky Weir is mentioned from Ardmore. Angelo Bellosi from Worldwide Technology here in St. Louis. Robert Lutsky from mid Michigan and rounding out the top 10 was Rod Taylor from the aforementioned lost Creek raceways in Montana. Uh, pretty awesome stuff. Like even to finish in the top 10, I'm looking at Rod Taylor's score, 178 points. There's a win. No, there's two wins in there, a runner up. Uh, he's hurt a little bit by, it looks like there were short rounded races for the most part at lost Creek, but like pretty impressive stuff just to finish in the top 10. He's in three finals, accumulated points at a variety of other races. Um, just, I mean, what did we have? 200 plus signed up on the top bulb to initially, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, let's see. 226.
0: So to finish in the top 10 alone, no small feat, much less uh, what Trip West did to win the whole thing and take home 10 Thousand dollars. Let's transition over to the bottom bulb side now, Ashley. Where I actually correctly proclaimed a few weeks ago mm-hmm. that that Brian McGinnis is our world champion. Brian hails from a familiar racetrack. Last year, it was two Bremerton racers that claimed our championship: both Lane Savar on the top bulb and Kip Pool on the bottom bulb. Brian, another Bremerton racer, wins this year's bottom bulb category. Is there something in the water up there?
2: there must be, but (laughs) I know Brian and I know he's, uh, he's a competitor at, um, at Bremerton and also at Pacific. He races both. Um, and he's definitely one to look out for. Sometimes it's he won, let's see, one, two, three, he won four races
0: when you can only get to claim six and you win four. Like I like your odds.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good.
0: It's pretty He won. um, I don't want to say going away, but like by a pretty comfortable margin, more than four rounds over Brad Hawk from Tucson, Brad finishes second. And there was a time this year, actually, where I think we said like, it's going to be hard for anyone to beat Brad Hawk. It looks like he's running right. away from the running away with this. Uh, I guess four final rounds out of six claims will do that or four wins. I should say out of six claims will do that for Brian McGinnis, really impressive season for the racer from Remerson.
2: Yeah. And Brad Hawk he, he still won three of the events. So right. yeah, it was a close one for those two.
0: Take us through the, uh, the bottom bulb top 10 as well.
2: All right. So Brian McGinnis from Bremerton getting that 10 grand, uh, Brad Hawk from Tucson, Sean Nichols from Lebanon Valley, uh, Chucky Weir from Ardmore coming in fourth.
0: I call him Chucky. He goes by Charles. I grew up with Chucky. Oh, Chucky. Okay. Right? Finished in the top 10 in both classes. That's an accomplishment, right?
2: Yes. That's awesome. Uh, Benny Gossett from, uh, I hope I said that right. (laughs) Big Country Raceway. Yep. Henry Robertson. He's uh, from Sacramento. uh, Races at TNA Race Club put on by Jesse Adams.
0: Friend of the podcast. Henry's been a guest with us before.
2: Yes. And a fellow member of Elite. Yes. Uh, Kit Poole, our champion from last year, Bremerton. He's also, uh, number seven. So also in that top 10, Brad Northrop from new media, uh, Chuck Hawk from Tucson and then, Ch- uh, Chad Dotson from Greer raceway.
0: That is a pretty illustrious top 10. I don't care who you are, or where you're listening from. There's a lot of names on there that should resonate. In fact, when it comes to bottom bulb racing, yeah i would say the vast majority of those names resonate that's a heck of a list in the top 10 and kind of similar to what we had talked about on the top bulb chad dotson a very accomplished bottom ball racer uh who calls greer home in south carolina he finished the season with 207 points to finish 10th Uh, that 207 included a win and two runner-ups strong season and and again just like we talked about on the top bulb I believe there's 200 plus entries on the bottom. You may be able to pull up that exact number as well, Ashley. To finish in the top 10 is no small feat.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I'm just looking, you know, comparing top and bottom, uh Trip West with you know 275 and then Brian McGinnis with 332 and 275, you know, if if you combine those, that would that would put you at uh fourth place. Um wow, right. So yeah, that's pretty cool to look at comparing top and bottom.
0: Yeah. I guess it goes back to the, the theory that I've always said, like, if you can follow along with this, that if you take the most talented, most experienced racer at the racetrack and the most green, like the least experienced racer at the racetrack and you give them both a delay box, like there's a difference. The better racer is still the better racer, but it's, Relatively minimal, like their average reaction time, maybe two hundredths of a second apart, right? Over the course of the day, maybe, maybe not even that today. But if you take those same two racers and tell them they have to hit the bottom, the spread gets magnified, right? Like that—that that difference between the best and the worst average reaction time, it may be five hundredths of a second, maybe more, right? right? And so I think that in the bottom ball classes, it's a little bit easier for the cream to rise to the top, typically speaking. Obviously, Brian McGinnis and the rest of the top ten did just that
2: yeah they yeah they definitely showed up
0: <laughs> so TripWest, west brian mcginnis are getting checks respectively for ten thousand dollars and i think like i just wanted to bring this up to reiterate they in order to win this with the the series as you constructed it ashley they did not have to leave their home track and in, in, in Tripwest's west's instance that means he, he attended eight events at Ardmore Raceway to win this $10,000. For Brian McGinnis, it was eight events at Bremerton Raceway to win this massive prize. As we mentioned, the, the purse pays back 10 places beyond that. Like I thought it was interesting and I was thinking about this because we spend a fair amount of time here on the podcast, Ashley, um, previewing and, and then detailing the NHRA Summit ET World Championships, and rightfully so. Because what's awesome, I think, about that event and the trip to Las Vegas, right, is the experience of it, right? And that's something that that we can't begin to um, compare to within the This Is Bracket Racing.com driver series, right, is that trip to Vegas, the opportunity to compete on that stage. But strictly from, like, a, a financial standpoint, what you win when you say win your division championship and earn the right to compete in Las Vegas for that world championship, from a financial standpoint, what you win is the opportunity to spend thousands of dollars and a week plus of your life traveling to Las Vegas for that experience, right? I mean, there is some compensation involved, but again, it's it's $5,000 if you win. I think that they help pay some travel expenses, but again, like it's a pretty significant undertaking to get the experience, with this, we don't necessarily have the experience of getting all of these racers together. So again, I'm I'm not here to compare or contrast the two, but without that burden of the trip, the expense, it's ten thousand dollars for the overall champion. Like I just I just said that I wanted to share that to highlight how incredible a program it is that you've put together here.
2: Yeah, I I appreciate that. I um, you know, again I. I made this for the, you know, the racers that can't travel to those bigger races, but I think it's cool that, um, racers like me who, you know, race points at their local track can, you know, you're already racing for points. You might as well sign up for points for this, uh, to get even more money. Um, and yeah, like you said, I mean, it, it costs money to travel. (laughs) So whatever you win, you know, at the ET finals or bracket finals, that you um you get a little bit help some travel money to get to Pomona or Vegas um but you don't get that $10,000 <laughs> that we're giving away so yeah i think it's really cool
0: no and i think the reason that we both actually got so excited about this is we share an affinity for the i don't know i feel like it's almost undermining the local bracket racer to say like the grassroots level of our sport but i think that's kind of a blanket statement that that we all lean on and being able to further incentivize the commitment at that level is something that i know is very important to you has become very important to me as well it's it's very gratifying on this end to give racers even more reason to support their local facilities and go have fun every weekend.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, you know, it's important to grow the sport and to, um, you know, give that opportunity to even like juniors, you know, we're seeing a lot of juniors coming up, um, you know, getting in, moving into those big cars and, you know, this is a great opportunity for them too. um, we, I see a lot of, you know, people at my home tracks where they don't travel that much and they like, they just stay you know, they run points and like, that is their thing. Like, like you said, it's hard to give them that kind of title of grassroots racer because yes, they are, but they've also been doing this for so many years. Like, you know, There's that's a their, level of
0: commitment to that. Yeah, right. that's, that's
2: their stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And to be able
0: to to provide a reward for that level of commitment is is pretty cool. So kudos to you, Ashley. Great job once again, as always, putting all of this together, keeping up with it all year. Uh, I can only imagine the workload. You would not do it if you weren't passionate and your passion comes through, um, certainly through the airwaves on this podcast. For our listeners look for more, right? Like, uh, we, we've, we've announced the champions. We've, we've got it right this time. Um, so <laughs> trip West and, and Brian McGinnis, we're going to follow up in the weeks that come, um, with interviews with both of them. Uh, Ashley is going to, to come on with Brian. Ashley's going to come on with trip, um, to, to recap their season, to get their thoughts, uh, in addition to, uh, the content here on the podcast. Stay tuned on this is We'll have stories on the series as a whole, uh, as well as features on those two champions and much, much more. As far as 2022, Ashley, uh, we are still at the point of recovering a little bit from 2021 and trying to process all of this. The plan is to resume the driver series, the thisisbracketracing.com driver series next season. We're not ready to roll out any details of that. I guess I would simply say stay tuned here to the podcast as well as to this is bracket racing.com slash driver series, Ashley, for anyone that wants to follow up, that wants to look at the points in detail that perhaps wants to see all of the racetracks that were involved in 2021, where is their best venue to do that?
2: Uh, yeah, just like you said, this is bracket racing.com slash driver series. Uh, you can see all the tracks involved also, uh, see the points, um, uh, and last year's points too, if you want to, you know, take a trip down memory lane and see how those participants did. Um, you can get all the points there too.
0: Yeah. And even like, I think there's an element to that too, is as you prepare perhaps for the 2022 chase, I think there is some value in going back and seeing exactly what it took to win the championship and, or finish in the top 10 in previous years. Ashley, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for all that you do in terms of putting this program together. Uh, I don't think that we can overstate its impact and ultimately your impact on sportsman drag racing, particularly at this level. I know that that is the reason behind it for you, but I just wanted to say thanks from our end. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thank you once again to Ashley Thompson. I am rejoined now. By- my partner, my right-hand man, Big Jed, and we, Jed, are going to continue the theme of the show, and that is honoring the champions.
1: Oh, look, this is a fun time. You got some people who accomplished something so special over the weekend, and we get to, to highlight them. This is what this show's all about. I'm looking forward to this.
0: The NHRA Summit ET World Champions for 2021 were crowned last week in Las Vegas. Congratulations to Nick Smith. He is your Super Pro World Champion. Dan Dan Casey, your Pro Champ from Division 1. Nick Smith, by the way, from Division 4. Derek Jackson wins Sportsman from Division 6. And your man, Gareth Shepard, Big Jed, Division Three runner, is the motorcycle world champion. Congrats to those guys. Also, kudos to you, big man. If you'll remember, to the listeners, on last week's show, Jed, myself, and Troy Williams Jr. took our best shots at predicting the world champions. TWJ showed why he is not a regular host here on the show. He got zero right. Shout out. I save face with one. Thank you, Nick Smith, coming through in Super Pro. Big Jed, you pretty much nailed the rest. Mm, yeah, kinda. Give yourself some credit. The most impressive by far was your insight on the motorcycle category and that instinctive knowledge that Garrett oh. Shepard was the man to beat.
1: Luke, I remember the day that, that you contacted me about this podcast and said, you know, I, I want to do a sportsman drag racing podcast, and I'd like you to come along. And I said, Luke, why are you choosing me? And you said, Jed, it's simple. It's your knowledge of ET motorcycle bracket racing that sets you apart from every other host that could potentially be on this show with me. And once again, you were right. And, and I picked the right Et motorcycle champion so you know it's just a class I study very well and I expected to get this one right
0: just humor me what is it about Gareth Shepard that stood out to you
1: well I mean obviously he's division three so uh, if Gareth is not from Ohio he has raced in Ohio which makes him pretty much better than every other motorcycle racer there could have been out there and then you couple that with the fact that he's got you know a little bit bigger tire on the back than he does on the front. And his handlebars, I've looked at Garrett's bike, his handlebars are positioned very well for finish line driving. Uh, the way that he's got them kind of leaned back just a little, and just I really felt like his bike was prepared the best. And it turns out I nailed it.
0: I didn't even think about the Ohio reference. That's brilliant. Mark, can you get a confirmation? If Gareth Shepard is actually from Ohio, I'm going to feel stupid for not. Selecting yeah. Gareth Shepherd. Well. You did accurately peg Derek Jackson. You actually had some credence behind that in sportsman. Nice pick there.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Derek, Derek's so he's a veteran in this event. <laughs> he wins out there a lot. So that was not a stab in the dark like my motorcycle pick, but Derek is uh, is a guy that's um, that's been doing this quite a while, and he has done it very well out there over time. So that one was it was a lucky pick, but it was somewhat educated.
0: And Jed, I want to give you credit for pro as well, just because like that would be really impressive to pick three out of four, and it would mean that as a team of podcast hosts. We swept this thing. like I correctly predicted Super Pro. You got Sportsman. You got Motorcycle. We just got confirmation from producer Mark Gareth Shepard does hail from the great state of Ohio. Of it is Ohio redemption, Big Jed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who, who wouldn't have picked the, the Ohio representative in ET Motorcycle? Uh, I take so, back
0: everything that I said. Yeah. Now, back specific to, to the Pro ET and, and Dan Casey, you did mention the name.
1: I want to... be a homer here so i'm going to take my division division two tony gambardella uh tony's a very talented guy and he's he's having a great back half of the season as well so i think he's riding some momentum it's going to be a long trip it's going to be a big moment but i think tony's capable of getting in there and handle it but if uh if I wasn't going to pick Tony, and I know I don't get two picks, Jeff Rydale, that's my man. He's uh, he's out of Texas. Good dude. I'm so, uh, looking for him. <laughs> and uh, and I'll add Dan Casey. That's, this is oh, all so political. There we
0: go. Look, we go. This is it. All Whatever you
1: do, that. Don't don't straddle the fence. That's all guys. It's all, all guys, the guys character. race with me. So I'm pulling for Dan Casey too. I I'd like to see any of these guys win, but uh, that's that's my group. So <laughs> I know that I, I know that I did that all wrong, but man, I, I gotta save face. I'm gonna be looking at these guys. So
0: Nailed it. So I I I mean, there were eight racers entered. I mean, if you pick three, the odds are pretty good.
1: Well, I mean I would have given you guys three picks if you can get it.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was all, that wasn't three picks. That was one, one a and one B.
0: Okay. Okay. I mean, I think officially we got to go with the little gambler. I think the pick was Tony Gambardella, but there's gotta be something said for honorable mention here. Like obviously you destroyed Troy. You beat me handily. I want to give you like two and a third. Correct. out of four.
1: Okay. I you was should, going to get some partial credit for Dan Casey. I was going 2.25, so I'll take 2.333. Okay. Well, yeah. See, we're gonna around. round up. Yeah, that's just fine. And if you guys think picking half the field is an advantage, then you know, I guess whatever. If, <laughs> if that's just how you feel, that's whatever, you know.
0: <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta pick your spots. <laughs>
1: yeah, I agree. I mean, it was Dan Uh, Casey all along. I just didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but whatever.
0: (laughs) You just, you were doing that to protect Jeff Rydell and Tony Gambardella, weren't you?
1: That's what I do, Luke. I see. That's what I I I do.
0: Take care of my boys. I don't don't always envision this in the moment, Jed. And and in the aftermath, it becomes perfectly clear. It all comes full circle. Yeah. When I get a
1: chance to explain myself, it gets cleared up in a hurry. something like that. All right. So,
0: (laughs) so we've talked, this is bracket racing driver series world champions. We've talked NHRA summit ET series world champions. Let's move to the NHRA Lucas oil series, big jet. And this might be the last time this year I get to nerd out a couple of the championships are over, right? Decided. Um, at this point, two races remain on the schedule. We've got the final NHRA divisional event in Las Vegas this weekend, followed next weekend by the NHRA World Finals in Pomona. As of now, Comp with Bruno Massel Jr., Super Gas with myself are clinched. Everything else somewhere between really interesting and at least partially interesting. None of the other classes are over just yet. Before we get to them, let's talk just a little bit about Competition Eliminator because this got pretty interesting. So Coming into the national event in Las Vegas a week ago, Big Jed, Bruno Massel Jr. was in the lead by less than a round. Um, And basically, in order for David Billingsley, his closest pursuer, to have a chance, Bruno had to get beat in round four or earlier. And keep in mind, he had both the Vegas national event and the Pomona national event to clinch the title by winning round four. If he was unable to do that, then Billingsley could pass him only by winning, nothing short of winning, his last divisional, which would be the Las Vegas divisional event this weekend. So a bit of a long shot for David Billingsley, but a couple of things had to happen. Bruno had to lose. He had to come back next weekend. He had to win. Well, I mentioned things got interesting. They paired each other in round one. So Billingsley's destiny was in his own hands to some extent, Right. Gets, the, gets to square off with Bruno if he wins. His championship hopes are alive. He, again, would still have to win the divisional, and then Bruno would have to not win fourth round at Pomona. But you're telling me there's a shot, right? David Billingsley, 40 on the tree, 56 under. Just solid. Bruno probably didn't mean to be 60, and he probably didn't mean to take 2,000, but that's what he did. <laughs> Two thousandths of a second determine that round one matchup in Bruno Massel's favor. So that gives him the opportunity to close things out. He goes on and does that. Not only does Bruno win fourth round to clinch the championship, he goes on and puts a nice little bow on that by winning the event with that bruno massel has clinched bruno massel is your 2021 competition eliminator world champion he joins a very small group of competition eliminator drivers i believe that includes bill miropoulos frank aragona jr david Rampy. i don't think it extends beyond that and now bruno massel has three-time competition eliminator world champions
1: oak incredible uh odds you know that that these guys are going to pair up first round, you know, cause this is a, a qualified deal where, you know, that the, the better cars typically will not see one another in round number one. Then it happens. And then the 2000 stripe uh, job well done, obviously end to end there by Bruno. And I'm not sure who makes good clutches. I, I hadn't been around the four speed, five speed world in quite some time, but, Maybe it's like McLeod or somebody that, that makes clutch stuff. But we need a segment uh, clutch performance, the McLeod clutch performance of the week or something because Bruno gets it. That was clutch right there. And then to go on, get the fourth-round win that he needed and you know, obviously finish the deal off and win it. Huge, huge deal for Bruno, three-time champ now. Just an awesome performance by him. Well, I'm not here to
0: doubt Bruno's clutch performance. I will also say that he's using the Bruno's automatic transmission.
1: Oh, well. Yeah, maybe maybe that's a maybe it's a Bruno then. A Bruno, you know, pulled a Bruno. It,
0: it was a Bruno performance, not a clutch yeah. performance, a Bruno yeah. performance by maybe Bruno. Maybe
1: so. Speaking Rename. Me.
0: of drama. In that particular round, like, although it didn't necessarily decide the championship, had to be super dramatic. Like had to be fun to be there and certainly to, to be involved in. And speaking of drama, like Jed, we don't often discuss the top alcohol categories. And to be quite frank, like I don't have a ton of interest in them. Um, But the final round in Las Vegas, if you can't get interested in that, like you can't get interested in drag racing. Let me set the stage coming into the event. Rachel Meyer uh, leads the world championship chase. There is only one person that could catch her. That's Jackie Frick, Rachel, trying to go back to back with her sister, Megan, who was last year's. NHRA world champion, in order for Jackie Frick to unseat Rachel Meyer to take the championship, she had to win the race, nothing less. Rachel was there, could not earn points, was there simply to play blocker. Guess how this played out in the final round of the event, one of the final rounds of the Top Alcohol Dragster season. Yes, it was Rachel versus Jackie, one round, winner, take, all for the championship again wasn't there don't particularly follow top alcohol dragster could only imagine big jed that you could cut the tension with a knife not only did rachel Meyer win she set low et of the event she went 519 which is not like a top alcohol dragster record but at vegas i mean justin lamb said it best when we were talking about it earlier he told me that going 519 and top alcohol dragster at vegas is like a pro stocker going 620 like it's the shot heard around the world. So the Meyer clan, once <laughs> again, steps up, makes a lap with all the pressure on pretty cool stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely not a category we talk about a lot, but you know, we love to talk about dramatic runs and, and pressure runs. And that was certainly all of that and more Luke. So a really cool deal there. Um, obviously, uh, a, you know, a huge run in the championship chase and to, to go that fast and get the win had to be really, really special.
0: I want to run through the other sportsman categories relatively briefly, um, but just give a a bit of an update as we head into the final divisional of the season this weekend in Vegas. We'll start with top sportsman because it will be decided this weekend. Um, How Sportsman is contested at Pomona, but none of the players still involved can earn points at Pomona. So this is essentially the same scenario that I laid out a couple of weeks ago between Paul Mitzos and Jimmy Lewis. But as I revisited this, I'm pretty sure nothing has changed. So I'm pretty sure that my calculator was messed up. I, I think I misinformed everybody as to exactly what Jimmy Lewis has to do going forward. Here's the situation this week's divisional in Las Vegas. Either Paul Mitzos or Jimmy Lewis will be the top sportsman world champion. If Jimmy Lewis loses in round one or round two, it's over. Paul Mitzos is your world champion. If Jimmy Lewis wins round two, but falls in round three, and Paul Mitzos loses any time before that, so loses first, second, or third round, we have a tiebreak situation. I have no idea who would win the tiebreak. Okay. If Jimmy Lewis wins round three and Mitsos then does not advance further in the race than Jimmy does, then Jimmy Lewis will be your world champion. If I had to pick odds, Jed, like Jimmy does have to turn on a minimum of two win lights. That's not easy to do with the pressure on. I think by that, Mitsos is your slight favorite. Um, I'm not good at laying odds. Like I would say like 66. Seven percent chance that paul mitzos wins the world championship with that said who's your pick
1: well luke if you're telling me it's a, it's two thirds in Mitsos favor it's not quite easy... three out of
0: eight but it's close <laughs>
1: yeah it's not not quite but the the easy pick is Mitsos. so i'm gonna go against the grain and pick jimmy lewis to get it done
0: uh, we're, we're together on this and we're probably both doomed to fail, but I, I went on record saying, I just had a feeling that Jimmy was going to get this done a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to stick with it. Top dragster could be over this weekend, but that is not a guarantee. It is down to two drivers in contention. Blake Peevler leads and has a considerable lead. The only racer that has an opportunity to run him down. Is one, Bradley Johnson. At this point, Bradley trails by 79 points. And that's a big number, Jed. It's 10 points per round. Like that's a lot of rounds away. But Bradley can earn points at both remaining events, both Vegas this weekend and Pomona next week. Now, for the sake of simplicity, let's assume that Blake Peavler either does not attend Las Vegas. I don't know if he has plans or, or is headed that way let's play. Let's let's assume that people either doesn't attend or does not improve. If he does show up, he's trying to improve a third round loss. So if that's the case, if Bradley Johnson were to lose in Las Vegas prior to round four, he's eliminated. It's over. Blake Peevler is your world champion. On the flip side, if Bradley Johnson were to go all the way in Vegas, it's going to be a six round top dragster race and win the event he would still not be in the lead, but he would be just 14 points behind, which would mean that he's improving a first round loss at Pomona. If he were to win Vegas, all he would have to do is win round two at Pomona to overtake Peebler and win the world championship. And then anywhere in between. So if he gets to fourth round in Vegas, the more work that he does in Vegas, the less that he'll have to do in Pomona. Again, if he does not um, win um, round three in Las Vegas, it is over, it is Blake Peebler. So with that said, Bradley Johnson's odds are pretty long. They're not nearly as long as they were at this time last year. And he almost pulled it off. Like if we're just going numbers, give me Blake Peevler, 89%, probably higher than that really. Cause he could even go, I'll say 91% chance Blake Peevler wins a world championship. How much faith do you have in Bradley Johnson?
1: Well, I think Bradley's going to perform well, but performing well won't be good enough when the odds are stacked against you like that. You got to perform unbelievable, Luke. And I'm going with Peavler.
0: For sure. Smart money on I Just for the story of it, like, A, I'm a racer. B, like, as a podcast host, we are here for the content. I would love for Bradley to do well enough to take it to Pomona, right? Even if he has to win, like, just extend this one more week, keep it interesting, but yeah, if you're asking me to pick, like the odds are a little bit too long I'm picking Peevler.
1: Yes, I'll enjoy it there.
0: Let's stay with the dragsters, slow it down a touch from what has become essentially the 610 heads up class to the more traditional 890 heads up class. And this is one of really two races remaining that is championship races remaining that is getting pretty juicy. Uh, pretty juicy because Christopher Dodd Uh, His best chance to improve Christopher Dodd is the leader his best chance to improve was last weekend at the Vegas national event he failed to do so he sits in a relatively comfortable lead at just 584 points and I say just 584 because that is not a number that would typically win the world championship but again. It still appears relatively safe. Now, Christopher does have an opportunity to improve at the divisional event this weekend, but it's a tough road to hoe. He is improving a fourth round loss at, on the divisional side. Mathematically still alive, Steve Hoyt, Division three runner who was not in Vegas last weekend, is not entered in Pomona. I, I, I don't want to speak for Steve, but my impression is that he's not going out west. Also, mathematically still alive, Sherman Adcock Jr. Similar situation. Sherman was not in Vegas, not entered in Pomona. My assumption is he is not headed west. Still, mathematically alive. Nick and Devin Eisenhower brothers. Devin Eisenhower is entered in Pomona. They weren't in Vegas, but given that I don't, the, there's no chance that Devin or that that Nick Eisenhower is going to Pomona without going to Vegas. And I would assume if Nick Eisenhower is going to Vegas, Devin Eisenhower's car will be in the same trailer. So let's assume, Big Jed, that they are headed that direction. And let's also assume just for the sake of simplicity that Christopher Dodd does not improve at the Vegas divisional. Again, he would have to win fourth round to do that. Nick Eisenhower trails by 47 points. He's improving a first round loss this weekend. So what that means is he would need to improve, or I'm sorry, would need to win the fifth round of the divisional this weekend to surpass christopher dodd he's also improving a semi-final in pomona which is a tall order he Nick's done very well at his national events he's won two semi one so but what that means is if we're looking at just extending this to next week as long as christopher dodd does not improve and nick eisenhower is able to win round two in las vegas he would still have a shot at Pomona. Like he would have to win the event if that was the case, but we would at least carry this to next weekend. Meanwhile, Nick's brother, Devin Eisenhower, former Super Gas World Champion, trails by 106 points. And that sounds like a ton. That sounds like a a deficit that cannot be made up in two races. However, to this point, Devin Eisenhower has only run two NHRA national events. You get to claim your best three out of your first six. What that means is that the world finals in Pomona count full. So Devin gets 30 points when he rolls through the gate. Okay. So again, it's he's got a lot of work left to do, but he gets full points at Pomona. He's improving a first round loss in Vegas. So if he were to win in Las Vegas this weekend, and Devin's obviously capable of that, he's won three Super Comp races this year. If he were to win Vegas and Vegas goes eight rounds, which it typically does, all he would have to do is stage in Pomona. He would surpass Christopher Dodd. He would be your super comp world champion. And again, we, if we just talk about extending this one more week to Pomona, assuming that Christopher Dodd does not improve this weekend, as long as Devin Eisenhower can turn on one single win light in Las Vegas, he would go into Pomona with a mathematical chance to win the championship. So if we're going to handicap this, Christopher Dodd's still the favorite, I'd say 70-ish percent. And then let me give 15% to each of the Eisenhower brothers. Um, But regardless, I think there's a pretty good chance that this isn't final until the last weekend or perhaps even the last day of the season.
1: So picking Christopher Dodd makes the most sense and it is the easiest path. However, I just feel like since Devin Eisenhower and i mean uh excuse me nick eisenhower and myself just became uh, facebook friends ah okay that, um that i i think he's probably got the best shot so i'm going nick uh somewhere along the line he and devin will pair up um team orders will not be issued but devin will do the right thing and not show up for the round and nick will get those there's zero f- chance of that they both have a shot yeah but i mean who's got the more gooder shot i mean it depends on
0: how you look at it they're not that far apart
1: okay well i just feel like well i'm not saying it's going to be a gifted round but <laughs> i just feel like you know brothers yeah I'm no like, i mean somebody's going to do the right thing here and it, it could absolutely be. fall that
0: way that by the time that they pair up one has a significantly better shot than the other right
1: yeah. And has to be uh, Devin has to give it up because Nick and I are Facebook friends. So
0: fair enough. Okay. Fair enough.
1: Yeah. So you're taking a
0: long shot with Nick Eisenhower. Uh, I mean, percentage points wise, I'll, I'll just say like, it's a tough road to hoe for Nick or for Devin, but you're not making the toe from Indianapolis to Las Vegas to potentially Pomona. If you don't have faith that you could pull it off. Obviously both of those guys do. Um, and, and let's face it, like Christopher's in a, a relatively precarious position. Like He's got a, a low points total. It's going to be difficult for him to improve this weekend um, outside of hooking one of the Eisenhowers. like He's basically at the mercy of what they do and who they draw. And I think this has the potential to get interesting if you're asking me to pick a favorite again, just based on the odds, I think I'll still stick with Christopher Dodd and all we've seen, Jed, with the exception of Dodd's run at Noble and at the the Houston event that was made up at Dallas, we've just seen talented racer after talented racer in the super comp category fall short, like run into a buzzsaw or make a mistake or whatever. I mean, the top 10, we've been through it before. It's all names that you know. And I would have bet, anything that someone would have pulled away or at the very least eclipsed like the 600 point mark and it just hasn't happened and again i think it speaks to the parity in that category more so than anything so you could look at that one of two ways like if that continues for another weekend or two christopher dodd will be your champ you could also look at it and say look these guys that are the, the elite standout racers they're way overdue like somebody that has a shot is going to get hot here and maybe it's Christopher Dodd, right? Like if he wins this weekend, it's over. Um, But maybe it's one of the Eisenhowers.
1: Yeah. Look, I feel like since the points became interesting and, and there was uh, even a little bit of clarity in the super comp chase, I feel like there's, there's been at least 10, maybe even 12 guys. You mentioned that, that could emerge as the, the champion. So. Definitely a lot of parity, a lot of talent, and, you know, that's that's tough racing. I mean, it's there's been some tough laps in that category this year, just like any other year, but uh, definitely a lot of parity, as you mentioned.
0: Uh, we can run on to Superstock, and we can breeze through this relatively quickly because, again, this one's not over mathematically, but this one's essentially over. Greg Stanfield, I'm going to say 98% chance will be your Superstock world champion. Joe Santangelo has the best shot to overtake Stanfield. Santangelo can earn points at both Vegas and Pomona, but he's 89 points back. If he were to win both races, Joe Santangelo could improve his score by 119. Okay? So that's 30 points more than he needs. Like he doesn't necessarily have to win both races, assuming of course that Greg Stanfield doesn't improve and he could improve at either or both. Um but there is not much margin for error for Joe Santangelo. At very minimum, he would have to semi this week, win next week. Uh, and again, Stanfield can earn points at both races, but admittedly, he would have to go very deep to improve on either side. The only other driver in superstock with a mathematical chance is Jimmy Hidalgo Jr., and he would have to win both Vegas and Pomona, and Greg Stanfield would have to not improve. So I'll say, 98% chance Stanfield. Give me one and a half percent Joe Santangelo 0.5% Cooter Hidalgo.
2: Mm,
1: I'm going to have to go with Stanfield there, bro. Good point. <laughs> 98% stock chance.
0: We'll close this out with stock because if the super comp points battle is juicy, stock is it. Like stock is a filet mignon. Like stock is by far the most interesting class remaining. So just... On the periphery, Joe Santangelo leads coming into Vegas, 633 points. Jerry Emmons, less than a round behind at 625. And I'd frame this for a couple of weeks as it's a battle between those two. And it may be. But as we enter these last two events of the season, by my math, there are still seven stock eliminator drivers mathematically eligible. You got Santangelo and Emmons at the top. Todd Hoven, on the strength of just a remarkable last couple of months, uh, is at 591 points. So he trails by 42. Jimmy Hidalgo Jr. at 569. Matt Lisa has a shot at 546, as does Chris Hall, as does Ryan Monford. And each of the seven drivers that I just mentioned can earn points at both remaining racers, races, Vegas and Pomona. With the exception of Matt Lisa, all of these racers were either in Vegas last week, or are entered in Pomona with the exception of Joe Santangelo. And I assume that that is some sort of gainsmanship on the part of Santangelo to not be entered in Pomona. I cannot imagine that he's not going to be at Vegas and potentially Pomona given his chance in, in both categories, right? So Santangelo, again, in the lead by a mere eight points at this point. He's trying to improve a third round loss this weekend in Las Vegas on the division side. If Joe Santangelo does not improve, if Joe Santangelo does not leave Las Vegas with the lead, he's in a very precarious position because at Pomona, at the national event, Santangelo will be improving a semi-final finish. So he really needs to either get things done this weekend or have some help on the outside. If he doesn't leave Vegas with the lead, I don't like his chances. Meanwhile, Jerry Emmons, His second round loss last weekend at the Vegas national event where tough draw, he got paired up with defending reigning NHRA world champion, Jody Lang. Lang comes out on the good end of that. Had Jerry Emmons win like come on, he would be the points leader right now. That second round loss was suboptimal because that is on the national side is Jerry's best opportunity to improve. Um, Coming into the divisional event this weekend, Jerry Emmons is trying to improve a fourth round loss. If Sant'Angelo does not improve, again, Jerry Emmons less than a round behind. So a fourth round win light would catapult him to first in the standings. If that does not happen, if he does not leave Vegas in the lead in Pomona, Jerry Emmons will once again work to improve that second round loss. So that's doable. And basically, no matter what happens in Las Vegas, even if Joe Sant'Angelo were to win the divisional event in Las Vegas. Jerry Emmons will have a shot going into Pomona. Perhaps he just needs to win one round. Perhaps he needs to win the race. Regardless, he will have a chance. But if he comes to Pomona not in the lead, I don't care if you got to turn on two wind lights or five or six. That is a tremendous amount of pressure is going to be a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yeah, it would definitely be a lot of fun and it'll definitely be a lot of pressure, Luke. Um, But, you know, you're talking about guys that, that have been in this position before uh, you would like to think that 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 experience will lead them to be calm enough to make their run and and see where it lands. I I, I still with the, the caliber of racer that you're talking about being at the top of these these points chases, especially this one, you know, M Santangelo is one of those guys they're going to make their best run somebody's going to have to beat them so I don't anticipate them beating themselves with a with a big mistake that'll that'll definitely make it whomever comes out will make it you know icing on the cake it'll make it you know much like you talked about with your your battle with Rob Cropfield. you know you kind of want to you kind of just want to seal it a certain way well that's going to happen and stop
0: without question and it's not necessarily just those two. Uh, if we, as we get on down the line of the of the seven racers that I mentioned, like there's some absolute long shots, but Todd Hoven is not a long shot at this point and he has been on absolute fire. What I mentioned earlier in the last uh, month and a half, Hoven won the Division 1 race at Cecil County, went to Rockingham was a quarterfinalist at the divisional there, then drove from his home in Pennsylvania to Las Vegas last week runner-up at the national event to Justin Lamb. And at this point, he trails Joe Santangelo by 42 points. He is improving a first-round loss this weekend. So it is conceivable that we could leave Las Vegas with Todd Hoven leading the chase if Joe Santangelo and Jerry Ammons were to not improve at Las Vegas. And again, they're improving a third and fourth-round loss, respectively. Todd Hoven would have to win round four to tie or win round five to take the lead. If, again, Joe Santangelo, Jerry Ammons fail to improve this weekend, Hovind would still have a shot at Pomona. If he loses first round this weekend, he would have to win Pomona. Uh, Obviously, uh, if he were to go some rounds, he'd have to do less than that. If he were to lose first round this weekend, he'd have to win Pomona, and he'd have to get some help. But he's also going to have a shot. Uh, Jimmy Hidalgo Jr. mentioned earlier, also been on fire of late. I don't even think we mentioned last week he was the double up winner at Rockingham, one stock and super stock, and then towed his Cajun butt all the way to Las Vegas, where he made a pretty deep run at doing it again. I think he was in fourth round in both categories, got quarterfinal loss in super stock, semifinal loss in stock, been on fire. Realistically, although he's got a mathematical shot, realistically, Cooter's going to have to win this weekend go deep at Pomona and get some help, right? And the others are are longer shots than that. So if I'm going to handicap this, Jed, I'll give Santangelo a slight edge because he's in the lead now. And I don't think there's any guarantee that anyone passes 633. So how can I break this down? Give me 40% chance Joe Santangelo is your champion. 35% that it's Jerry Emmons. That takes me to 75. 20% it's Todd Hoven. And the other four racers split the remaining 5%. So that's give me 2% for Cooter, 1% for Matt Lisa, 1% Chris Hall, 1% Ryan Monford. Do you have a lean?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's still up in the air. And you're talking about a lot of talent chasing those points in those top three positions. But I like where Joe's sitting. I like Joe out front, um, talented racer. You know, trying to get this done again, uh, like his driving style and pressure situations. So, I think uh, I think I'm on lean to to Joe Santangelo for this one, Luke.
0: I don't uh, I don't ever think it is a smart bet to bet against Joe Santangelo. Um, I think you could make the argument that he is one of, if not the most talented, most consistent performing driver in stock and super stock um the the juxtaposition to that is he's in a tough spot like the way that the numbers break down like you you kind of like the odds of a jerry emmons or perhaps even a todd hoven uh, and especially given hovens recent run like i guess it makes sense as i said it's it's 40 for joe santangelo like if it's santangelo versus the field I take the field I think um but man now all these guys are so good um but I think if I have to lean I'm going to lean the same way that you do I I I feel like somehow some way Santangelo is going to figure out a way to get this done and maybe it's by hanging on at 633 but I just expect Santangelo to stretch that out this weekend in Vegas like I just he's one of those guys that seems to perform in the clutch um It wouldn't shock me if he's in the final at Vegas, and this is essentially all but over going to Pomona.
1: Yeah, the only thing I don't have a good feel for Luke is how a heads up could potentially impact any of those top three drivers. I don't know kind of how they how they stand within their their class that they run. Uh, I would assume Emmons is fast. I would assume Joe's fast. I don't know Todd probably is as well. But being just fast might not be good enough there are some super fast rides that show up in these end of the year deals and we'll see how that plays out hopefully uh, that doesn't impact it but that's just all part of the category
0: no i mean you say hopefully like there's a lot of people saying hopefully it does right because that is part of stock eliminator my perception of this and i could be wrong um i i don't think jerry emmons is losing a heads up like he's super fast um, I don't think Todd Hovind's losing a heads up. My impression is he's super fast. Now he's running double A, which is typically not a hotly, a hotly contested class, but it was last weekend at the, at the national event. Um, and I, my impression again, Hovind is one of, if not the fastest, there's also a possibility that Emmons and Hovind could be heads up, like, which is crazy, right? Mm, that'd um, be cool. Jerry does run some double A. I think he was entered in a last weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then Sant'Angelo, that's Anthony Bertozzi's car. Like, that's not slow, but I have seen him lose heads up. Like, that is not the fastest car in in the country in that category. And then you you consider that this is happening in Vegas, like, it's just different enough that that could throw a little bit of a monkey wrench into this, too. And we talked about like the drama that is almost sure to happen in terms of ladder games and, and who's going to try to hook whom. I didn't really think about this, but I do believe that at least one perhaps several of the Emmons family they're all fast like and I believe that they could fall into the same class as Joe (laughs) Santangelo like that could absolutely play a role in this too so it will be uh it will be entertaining it will be fun to watch how this all shakes down this weekend because I think um I I think everyone in this field operates with the highest degree of integrity, but there will absolutely be some sportsmanlike gamesmanship going on, or I would expect to see that this weekend. I think it's gonna be fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I agree. Looking forward to seeing how that plays out, Luke. So that's our championship
0: breakdown. There's basically at this point on the calendar, there's two things that we're keeping an eye on, right? Moving forward. It is the conclusion of the NHRA season, the two events that we just, talked about and broke down and it is the great american guaranteed million dollar race on the big dollar bracket side it is not only the last uh huge bracket race on the schedule in 2021 it is also like by far and away for this particular season the richest i mean at this point we had um the million dollar race paid 300 grand right we're gonna 3x plus that in two weeks in montgomery like it's it's a guaranteed million dollar race so to kind of preview that because jed we'll both be going to montgomery next week we'll both be there boots on the ground um not sure if we're gonna if we're gonna be able to record an episode next week so this will serve as our as our great american million preview and we take this however (laughs) direction you or whatever direction you want to take it big jed um my thought here was Let's talk about a handful of things that we are looking forward to. A handful of maybe questions that will be answered, things that we're excited to see in Montgomery
1: next weekend for the Guaranteed Million. All right, guys, starting November the 1st, you're able to pre-order parts for our November sale. Our friends at BT have a tremendous sale going on and you need to take advantage of it. That means you'll receive the 20% discount without even having to call us on November the 26th, typically the Black Friday sale. We'll simply charge you on the 26th when the sale actually begins. So you'll be off to the races. So what does that mean? Starting November 1st, you pre-order for the Black Friday sale, you get 20% off. And when all that starts taking place on the 26th, you don't even have to call. What's on sale? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's power glides, torque converters, and turbo 350 and turbo 400 variations. So you've got basically transmissions and torque converters of any kind that we offer that you're going to be able to take advantage of a sale price on. Remember, pre-orders run November the 1st through November the 24th. So pick your parts today and call us 1-800-626-1828 when the tree turns green. Yeah, so... You know, we, we both had five things uh, that we're looking forward to. That's what we wanted to discuss about the Great American Guaranteed Million. First for me, or number five for me, is the atmosphere. Uh, you know, I've, mm-hmm. I've missed that. I haven't been traveling to the big money bracket races. And the overall atmosphere when these stakes are this high and this important and this many eyes watching, it's just different. And, you know, I, while I've enjoyed local racing, I've missed that feeling at these big events so really looking forward to the atmosphere yeah
0: i i i agree like the it is it is unique to these races particularly on the million dollar day like there is just an electricity in the air that is super cool for my for my first thing that i'm looking forward to um you've got got the one up on me here i am looking forward to capital city motorsports park and seeing the improvements. I know that you have been there um, on a couple of occasions since Ben Willis took over. I am old enough to remember, Big Jed, as I know you are as well, a time when Montgomery Motorsports Park, now Capital City Raceway Park, was essentially a premier facility. And for the last decade plus, it has, let's be frank, like it has not been, right? But the bones of that are still there. And just judging by the pictures and the way that things have been cleaned up and the money that has been poured into that place, my, my um, perception is that it has been resurrected and I am here for that. Like, I look forward to seeing that facility in its current form.
1: Yep. No doubt, Luke, um, you know, having uh, gone down there and seen it myself, um, there are some subtle improvements and there are some major improvements and you can just tell this is a long-term vision by Ben Willis and the, the ownership team there. And these guys are willing to do what it takes to to make it, to get it back where it has been before. So uh, I couldn't agree more. That's that's You're going to enjoy that, as are many people that are seeing it for the first time. Uh, next up for me, Luke, is the pressure. Um, I haven't raced much this year where I felt pressure like, uh, where I felt like I had to make, you know, great runs, you know, always trying to make as good a run as you can. But again, when you're at these big money races, there's just a little bit extra pressure on me or I feel it. And, you know, quite frankly, uh, I feel like I've performed halfway decent on the tree when that's happened. I've, I've had some mechanical issues here and there and you know that's cost me and i've made some bad decisions that it cost me but um i feel like my car really good I-, I feel like i'm capable of letting go good and i'm pretty excited about the pressure and just that feeling every time you roll around the corner and and how important it is no matter the day obviously on a million dollar day it's it's going to be heightened but every time you roll around the corner at one of these i, I just i feel a little bit of pressure especially when I'm announcing because I know people are going to want to talk about what I did. So, uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm really excited about it.
0: Yeah, no, there is an element to that. Like obviously the internal pressure is really high just because of the amount of money that we fork over at the gate. Right. And the electricity in the air, we all, everyone realizes what they're racing for, but I do think you bring up an interesting point jet. And, and it's, I think it's heightened in, in your shoes. Um, because you are forward facing to the crowd, but I do think it's an interesting element that no one talks about in recent years is just the fact that there's always at those races been eyeballs on you in terms of the other racers around are by and large, like the racers that we really respect. And so we want to, you know, we want to do our best in front of those racers, but specifically for the last what 5 10 years with the, the advent of and obviously the increasing popularity of the live feeds there are literally you know thousands of eyeballs on you and and it it gets back to you like every round right via text via social media what have you like it, it's very apparent that people are watching and i do think sure. that that adds an element to this that we don't normally talk about but i think the majority of racers are impacted by, to some degree.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, sometimes that leads to poor results and sometimes it leads to amazing results. So I'm looking forward to seeing it in my lane and the others.
0: Uh, So four for me, I'm going to go there. I'm just, I'm interested to see if there is any follow-up the hunter patent drama now let's be completely frank i don't expect hunter to roll in and make them tell them that he can't race right i don't think that's going to happen but there is some debate here and i don't i won't pretend to know exactly how this works it is my um, assumption or my understanding that hunter is appealing his suspension with nhra while that's under appeal is the suspension in place like could he come race? And if that was the case, would he for fear that it would impact the potential, um, success of said appeal? Now, again, my assumption here is that this will be handled discreetly. Like this will be handled between Hunter and NHRA or Hunter and Britton Galen. Like, I don't think it'll ever come to a head at the event. I don't expect to see him there. Um, but that's something that is on my radar that I'm going to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, very good point, Luke. Uh, that that's there's still a lot of discussion going on around that incident, and I know that for a fact that track owners and operators have been contacted by the NHRA. And yeah, and I don't even, think
0: I was clear. I'm, I'm, Capital City Motorsports Park is an NHRA sanctioned facility, right? Yes.
1: yes. And they they've all all NHRA member tracks have been contacted. And uh it's probably something I should have told you guys off the air that I got a little tidbit of information while I was there. And um I would not expect to see Hunter in attendance at the Great American Guaranteed Million.
0: Um, that is my assumption as well. What if yeah.
1: oh, <laughs> what if he just showed up to watch? I think that'd be just fine. Uh, and again, I think that would cause a stir, you know, <laughs> it would definitely cause a stir, but again, I, I, I lean on what I said last week. Um, you know, Hunter may need to look into trying to be a race director. He, he might, he might could be part of the staff at the great American guaranteed million. and, and you know, get himself back in good graces with some folks and give him an opportunity to really talk to people. I, I'd like to, you know, maybe they need a meet Hunter booth where you go by and you spend 10 minutes with Hunter getting to know him because I think people's opinion of him would change uh, dramatically in some cases if I'm that were the case. A dunk
0: booth. Like you don't, you do not dunk Hunter, <laughs> yeah. you, you just want to meet him. Right? <laughs>
1: Although the dunk booth might go over a little bit better. Yeah, the
0: dunk booth would be fun. Uh, what's number three on your list?
1: Number three for me, Luke, and you probably have it on your list, and I certainly don't want to take this from you, but the converter changing contest, uh, <laughs> I am looking forward to that. That is going to be a really cool thing. As many teams as wants to, to enter or apply can do so. They're going to pick eight. So if there's 40 teams that think they've got the best change converter changing group and process in the pits, well, they're going to pick out eight names, eight teams bring them to the lanes, you got to drive it up and it's got to be able to drive away and get on the chip. Um, that's going to be really cool. Although it probably won't last very long because you think it's going to be in the teens. I still think somewhere in the 22, 23 minute range, but either way, it's going to be super fun to watch. And, you know, if I, if I get the chance to be part of the, uh, team with a hot mic during that segment, uh, that'll even be more gooder for me.
0: More gooder, more gooder. Yeah. No, you, uh, great minds think alike that. And so do we, that was number three on my list as well. Where did we, we talked
1: about this a couple of weeks ago. Did we set the over under at 15 minutes? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I think you were right in there somewhere.
0: Yeah. I think I'll go under too. It seems like, I think this might've been via text with Brit, but I, I think his estimation was like 12 minutes. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like this, uh, like I said before, I think, uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the wheelie and the burnout contests but they're getting a little bit played out like this is new and spicy. And yeah, like I, I'm, I'm here for this. I I want to, I want to, I want to take this in 100%. What's number two. Yeah.
1: Number two for me, Luke is very simple yet. Uh, it It's really mind boggling and that's racing for a million dollars. I am going to stage and race an opponent or hopefully several, many opponents with a million dollars on the line. You know, and obviously I don't think there's any chance in the world the winner is going to get a million dollars, but nonetheless, that's what there is to win. A million
0: event. dollars is going to get distributed through the, the, the last however many cars, right? 100%. Yeah.
1: yeah, but, you know, could you imagine they say, all right, guys, uh, there's, you know, whatever, 13 of you left, you got 1.382 million dollars. Y'all do what you want to with it. (laughs) Could could you imagine? Uh So, I mean, Uh I am going to race for $1 million. There's there's people that do this for a living, Luke. There's people that do this at, at the level that everyone dreams of getting to in the professional ranks that don't even get close to sniffing that for winning at the highest level possible. So it's incredible to me. Again, it's very simple. It's the guaranteed million. We know what it's paying. We know how big this is, but I'm actually going to get to stage and compete for a million bucks. And it's pretty damn incredible.
0: Yeah. And that's something that we, we've talked about before, Jed, like that's something that we never thought we would get an opportunity to say in our racing career. And I almost think that you know, this happened twice last year um, between the SFG 1.1 million and the inaugural Great American uh, Guaranteed Million. And it's going to happen once this year. And I don't think it is likely, certainly not guaranteed, that we will see an event of this nature in 2022 or really in the foreseeable future. Like, and I think that as awesome as electric as the atmosphere is that sense of urgency that sense of scarcity like this is going to for many of us potentially the last time that we get to stage for that kind of money certainly i i think it's fair to uh expect it's the last time we'll do that for for a while you know I think that even adds an element to that, right? But that opportunity, yes, not only are we racing for this unheard of amount of money, that the fact that we may never get the opportunity to race for this kind of money again. Number two on my list, Big Jed, let's see, where do I want to go? Okay, I'll, I'll go with this one. Can Scotty Richardson maintain... This torrid pace. Because if there is anything that we have been reminded of over the course of the last 13 months, it is that Scotty is still Scotty. He spent 2021 managing Edgewater Motorsports Park. Like, I don't think he raced a half dozen times. Yeah, it's certainly not on a level that we're all paying attention to. Right. But if you'll remember, he closed 2020. As one of just two, I believe, I believe it was two, him and Nick Folk were the only two racers to advance to the split in all three millions to close the year. Scotty obviously won the fall fling Bristol over Nick Folk at the Great American Guaranteed Million. He was down to whatever it was, 14-ish cars, made the split. Also then made the split at the OG Million in Montgomery a year ago. Didn't go to Vegas this year for the spring million did obviously attend the OG million in Valdosta, Georgia, where he drove to the runner up finish. So it is difficult as an understatement, Jed. Like I have been going to million dollar races since 1999 have made almost one every year in many instances, multiple millions, I believe I have been to the split three times in my life. Scotty is four for four. Like it's impressive enough that he won the fall fling million. It's impressive enough that he was in the OG million final to be at the split in the last four quote unquote million dollar races might be the most impressive stat of the last year and a half. And, and Nick folk right there beside him, like next on the exact same thing but particularly for Scotty as like somebody that basically doesn't race unless it pays a million to continue at this pace. Now, granted he is Scotty Richardson. Like we have come to expect this for 30 plus years, but that is absolutely incredible. So I am here for
1: just seeing if Scotty can go do it again. Well, the answer to that is yes, Luke, because he's Scotty. Um, but it is unbelievable what he's accomplished, uh, you know, and in, in his engine won the, the guaranteed million last year. So it was good to be Scotty all the way around. And then he won a 50 grander just as a side piece to his million runner up in South Georgia. So, you know, when when you really look in his, his last four major events in totality, it is, it's as good as anyone could even dream of doing. And, you know, he's, he's accomplished that. So um, he can keep that up because he's scotty he's just that good and makes that good of decisions um so we'll see how that plays out and uh, that's a that's a great thing to be to be looking forward to because i I didn't think about that and that's uh that's going to be fun to watch from uh from the angle that i'll have as well
0: all right Jed, we're down to number ones what are you most looking forward to next week in montgomery
1: this one's super easy for me, Luke, and it is announcing with my main man, JJ, and the great, uh, great American guaranteed million staff. Um, you know, Gleghorn, Jake Hodge, JJ, myself, uh, the guys bringing me out of retirement. It's an hour and a half from home. It's a guaranteed million dollars. I got the opportunity presented to me to be a part of the event. Um, you know, you can't say no to that, Luke, it's, it's a dream opportunity. And, and I'm going to come out of retirement for a very short stint and I'm looking forward to it. You know, I, I, uh, and then I'm trying to be as transparent as I can here without sounding like a cocky jackass. But, uh, when you're, when you're announcing the events that I've been able to announce the last 10 years and they're the best ones there are, you know, you get your ego stroked, um, pretty regular. And, you know, people say this or that best, best ever, you know, man, I loved it. That one thing you said when, when the guy went red and, you know, you just, when you don't even think anybody's listening, then people are just tuned into every word. And it's going to be a platform where there's a lot of people watching, a lot of people listening. And I have missed that severely. Now I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. What I've been able to do this year with the family, but I've missed it. And I'm looking forward to that. And I'm thankful for Britt and Galen and the team there at the Great American to, to give me the opportunity to be involved.
0: You know, I it didn't make my list just because I didn't think about it. But one of the things that I am certainly looking forward to, two things, did A, listening to you, because it is very entertaining and enjoyable, and B, like, Just seeing you big guy. Like I'm going to get to give you a hug. Now, granted it hasn't been like years because we had our, our, our immaculately planned vacations.
1: Yeah, we did.
0: That, that, that just happened to coincide, but it will be great to see you my friend.
1: Likewise. Um, Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I I don't, I've never hugged a a brand new uh, super gas world champion. So I'm going to hug you like while it's happening. That's going to be cool. It'll be
0: a first. It'll be a first. Um. So my uh, my number one thing that I'm looking forward to, I'll veer back to the the competition side. And it is this like we've got an interesting juxtaposition because to this point in 2021, we've had two quote unquote million dollar races. Uh they were won by Bo Butner and Adam Russell, both going super fast in dragsters. Russell dialed in the 430s. I think Bo was dialed around 450 in Vegas, which is a good 10th slow from anywhere else, like two super fast dragsters. And we've talked about, um, in, on recent episodes, you know, is that a trend? Is that the way to go about, um, winning at a high level in 2021 and beyond let's juxtapose that with to this point in time, big Jed, there have been two races that paid, a million dollars or more, legit million dollars or more to the winner. They both happened in 2020. Both of those races were won by relatively slow door cars, specifically Chevy Twos. Jeff Sarah driving the Duke Mobile with the borrowed power plant, going I don't know somewhere between 580 and 6 flat, depending on the run. Right? <laughs> Steve Cisco going 620s in the Bertozzi Chevy Two. I'm interested to see. Which trend continues here, or if something else comes in and completely bucks the trend. You know, like maybe there's a 750 Chevette that wins. Yeah. Maybe there's a 490 buggy that wins. That gets my vote, by the way.
1: Yeah. What do you think? Uh, well, I'm all for continuing with the Nova theme and you know, it going somewhere around 580. Hey, yeah, I, yeah. I think that'd be great if that trend would continue. Um, yeah. <laughs> could finally be the year of the pinto i mean we've claimed it before and it hasn't really come true but you never know i mean it's it's definitely going to be fun to watch and interesting to see uh if you know we get cooler temperatures and it's something a little off the wall that that works a little better than everything else or is it going to be prime temperatures is it going to be one of those november weekends where you get 70 to 75 degrees in alabama and you know the 430 dragsters are navigating the surface very well and you know maybe there's quite a few of them that gives them a better odd too so look that's a that's interesting thought and certainly something that is going to be fun to watch I do you
0: think it's worth noting too i saw that uh and Galen, event promoters uh, have announced that Brandon Mass and Mass Traction will be on attend, be in on, on hand, uh, and will be prepping the racetrack. And I don't know that I've ever raced on a Mass Traction per- surface, but I have heard nothing but amazing things about what they do, particularly in the cold. So, my sense is that. The racetrack will not necessarily be a determining factor. Like I think your fast cars, your slow cars. I think my my impression is that everything will be good at Montgomery next weekend.
1: Yeah, I would think that's uh, definitely going to be the case. And I think it's a great idea to bring in people like that because. You know, quite frankly, the same guy that's watching after the racetrack is having to keep up with cars. And if they have a little leak or something, or if there's an issue that we don't need to have them staging yet. A lot of moving parts up there while also maintaining the racetrack. So having a group specific just to watch after that, and that's their only function, their only priority and job, I think is a really good idea. I don't think it's a knock on anyone to bring in some additional help, especially experts. I think it's just enhancing the product. And uh, I think it was a really good idea on Britt and Galen's part.
0: Yeah, I mean, from a from a competition standpoint, there's a part of me that says, like, this stuff is getting way too tight. Like, I'm all for sprinkling a little clutch dust. You know, like, uh, let's I, I, oil's probably a, a, a bridge too far. Like we don't necessarily need a mist of oil on the track, but like, I'm, I'm here for the track, not being great. I actually think that that plays into a little bit of my advantage, but given the stakes, and I'm not saying that just because you pay a $3,000 entry fee, you deserve to be on a perfect surface, but given the stakes, I think it would be awesome. And obviously this is the goal by bringing someone like that in for the, the track surface, not to play a role in the outcome. And I think ultimately that's what they're after.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And and Luke uh, real quick, the guys posted uh, from the great American guaranteed million that uh, just a little while ago, there was 19 entries remaining. Um, By the time the listeners hear this, it's going to be way less than that, and the opportunity to enter is going to be gone because it's uh, Wednesday is the deadline to, to get yourself entered into that race, and they're just going to take what they've got after that. So, um, listeners, I hope you got in if you were trying to get in late because uh, this one is going to be absolutely special.
0: Hundred percent. I'm really, really happy to see that that uh, this race yes. is close to filling up. For the sake of the promoters, for the sake of this type of race in general, my sense was that it would go that way. But that is great to hear. Like, I think uh, I think it's fair to say that Britain Galen took on a pretty decent chance. Not, only, I mean, forget the fact that you're guaranteeing a million, but what a month or two ago when they kind of dug in and committed to, hey, we're going to do this, even though we're short right now. Um, because it's one thing to be short, um, whatever, I don't know how many, you know, 50, 60, hundred entries. It's another thing to be short 50, 60, hundred entries when they're three grand a pop, like it, quick math, like <laughs> that's sticking your neck out there pretty good. So Darn I man. am, I am very happy to see that, uh, not only obviously is the race going to happen, which we've been saying for a month, but that the race is going to be full or near capacity. And, uh, that it's going to be profitable for them because that's in order, if we're ever going to get the opportunity to do this again, obviously that has to happen. So good stuff. We are up against it a little bit, Jed. Let's close this out. Do you have a bad beat from last weekend?
1: I do. Uh, it was round four of the, uh, Vegas national, uh, Greg Stanfield, um, pairing up. Uh, with the, with the racer, I, I had it on the other document that we had, so I lost it. I, I need to go back and look, but nonetheless, Greg was 16 take seven in super stock round four. Obviously, improving there uh, was you know big for him. It, it still looks good for him, but he could have really continued on and, and sealed this thing up had he been able to go, go forward and win that event and certainly win that round. Um, 16 take seven is a really good lap, but not when your opponent is nine dead, zero. Oh, <laughs> and I a just quarter pulled it up as
0: Larry Zavala. Who yeah, went Larry to the, to the final, I think Larry runnered up. I could pull that up too, but yeah, that's whoo.
1: And, and no knock on Larry, no offense to Larry. But if you look at his box score, Luke, he was averaging probably a mid to high 40 bulb through three rounds and then, uh, laid Mr. Stanfield down nine dead, zero. Sixteen take sevens a pretty solid lap in any category, but it's really good in Superstock, and it come up way short.
0: All together now, it's a right place, right time kind of sport. Yes, Larry Zavala, <laughs> runner up uh, to Chris Hall in Superstock at Vegas last week. That's a good one. That's a good bad beat. I like it. I will go with the final round of Stock Eliminator at the same event, which pitted the aforementioned Todd Hoven opposite five-time NHRA world champion and hometown hero in Las Vegas, Justin Lamb, as we mentioned, Hoven making a run at the world championship. Hoven makes a a solid, like good, very good. Maybe not great, but very good lap in the final. He's 33, take a thou or get there a thou. I don't know exactly what happened at the finish line between those two. Lamb 32 and under, which puts Todd Hoven, two thousandths further under. A good, maybe not great, but a good race. But given the stakes, um, it's a six-round race. Final round is a 21-point swing in an HRA competition. That's more than two rounds. If you add 21 points to Todd Hovind's score, he is two rounds out of the championship and very much in the thick of it. Like he's in contention as it is, but that would have been two rounds less that he has to win in the coming two weeks. That would have been a big, big swing, and it didn't go his way by just two thousandths of a second. So that one, my bad beat for the weekend.
1: Definitely a bad beat with a lot on the line right there. I hate that for Todd, but they still got a chance. So we'll see how that plays out as you broke it down so great earlier. All right, Luke, uh, we are up against it for sure. There's some deadlines that we're having to meet here tonight. So that wraps us up. Listeners, thank you for listening. We appreciate it very much got something you want to say about this show or any show reach out to us there on the sportsman drag racing podcast facebook page you can uh, post it publicly for anybody to see your comments or you can send through private message and uh, producer mark will will scrounge that up for us and and get us the info but either way we'd love to hear from you anytime about any of the show content what you love what you don't love and uh, certainly maybe something that we haven't covered that you want to hear luke you got time for a couple of quick shouts
0: i have i think just Two okay, I want to shout out for sure Gareth Shepard and by extension the state of Ohio. I think we also need to shout out Dan Casey and your amazing instinctive yeah. NHRA summit world championship picks. But Gareth Shepherd is one like we have said on the show that we don't necessarily interview all the champions. I said, I want to get Greg Stanfield on the show. I also want to get Gareth Shepherd on this show for two completely different reasons. Although they, they will share similar titles, right. As NHRA world champions in 2021, we got to get Gareth Shepherd on this show. I couldn't you agree. He redeemed more. Ohio.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. The guys toting the flag right now.
0: What other uh, less tongue in cheek shout. How about shout out to NHRA national event doubles? Because shouts to Kelly Wade on this. Uh, She did the research. This is in one of her um, columns that I read over the weekend. There has been at least one national event double up every year on the NHRA trail since 2011. 27 drivers have doubled at this point, I think for a, a combined total of like 42 national event doubles. And it's become more commonplace in recent years, at least one a year since 2011, every single year to this point big jed in 2021 no national event doubles none not one there is one wow. race left to do it it's at pomona and interestingly enough i asked uh I asked my my research guy to to stat check this and i don't have verification but i am relatively certain just based on my own memory i don't think anyone's ever doubled at the nhra world finals So it would be unprecedented either way, right? If we went through a season without an NHRA national event double, that hasn't happened in a decade. And if it happens this weekend to extend that streak, it'll be the first time that has happened at Pomona to close the season. Something's got to give.
1: Yep, Something definitely has to give. And, um, we may go from seeing the, all these seasons with doubles to a season with an added S on the end of doubles and be double less. So we will see how that plays out. And yeah, that was a little play on words, but uh, good stuff. Luke. real good stuff. Thank you for your breakdown, your insight. Look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, listeners that wraps us up. We're done. If you like to tweet and we love to tweet at us. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, not sure if there will be a show next week. We'll get that posted on our page one way or another. But either way, as soon as we can get back to you, we can't wait to talk to you about more Sportsman Drag racing.